Uh, so, uh, you might think being locked in at the White House with 19 other people is ideal for a situation like this. Uh, certainly, that's what Mitch said. He said he's enjoying all the company, having everyone around. Uh, and it is, but it has its own unique struggles. Uh, and uh, especially, you know, as parents, it, it has its own unique struggles in all of our houses right now, I think. Just having that constant um, feedback from your children is overwhelming. And I have struggled this week. Uh, at least twice this week, I've had kind of a bit of a meltdowns, one reasonably significant meltdown with Jess. And then another time I just snapped at Ari pretty badly when we were playing a game of Monopoly. Um, yeah, it wasn't my proudest moment. We both got sent to our room. Um, and it wasn't great. So, But normally, uh, as we approach Easter... People are excited about being able to have more time together. We have a holiday. Uh, everyone's excited about being close and having uh, time away from work. Uh, this is true for Christians and non-Christians. Everyone loves a public holiday. Uh, everyone loves to disconnect, relax, and have a break and escape their reality for a little while. Except this year, I suspect that uh, it's going to be a little bit different because we're not going to be able to meet and have hot cross buns. We're not going to be able to meet and have an Easter egg hunt, uh, although we'll probably still do one here because uh, we have enough people to make it worthwhile uh, but there won't be any normal gatherings anywhere in the entire world uh, there won't be any normal gatherings and so it is a, a strange and unusual time that we live in um, and especially for churches with Easter it's normally like one of the biggest Sundays that they have in a year and most churches will be just empty um, so you know it kind of makes me just think what's going on right now what is it that uh, is happening the whole world is a mess um and uh you know i'm barely managing just to look after myself and my own life and i can't imagine the stress that our leaders are experiencing right now and the people in our essential services even people working in pharmacies and supermarkets you know not even just those who are in hospitals i can't imagine how stressful this is for them right now um 2020 has been uh, a brutal year uh, nothing has gone to plan. We've had, uh, at least here in Canberra, we've had our extreme heat. And then we had some fire, which was pretty uh, magnificent, and some smoke. So that, you know, we were in gas masks when we were walking around shopping centers. We've had hail. We've had viral pandemic. We've had uh, our hospitals over the world are now being overwhelmed. And schools are shut. And shops are shut. Uh, people are running out of toilet paper and, uh, and groceries. And our economy, uh, if you've been following that, not great. Uh, so the question I have is, where is God in all this? Is God angry? Is uh, God trying to teach us a lesson and, you know, send us all to our rooms for a change? And uh, are the problems that we're facing right now uh, an expression of, of God's wrath? This is a thing that I've, I've seen come up. There's a, enough angry people, um, kind of more classically right-wing angry people in my Facebook feeds who are saying, yeah, God's trying to teach us a lesson. And, and I just think that's rubbish. Uh, I don't think that this is... This is not what God's trying to say to us. He's not trying to say that he's angry and that he hates us. I think God created a beautiful world. And in that beautiful world, everything was good. And he gave a unique place of honor to, uh, to people to serve with him in that creation, to tend to the garden and to be servants of all of creation. And then when corruption came in and the world started to fall apart right at the very beginning, the Bible describes that as creation groaning. In Romans 8.22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. 
And that's where we are right now. We're in the groaning. Uh, But this isn't just meaningless. The groaning is like childbirth. And at the end of all of this pain, there will eventually be a beautiful reconciliation. The destruction and corruption and death uh, that right now seems so prominent in our world is not going to be forever. And it is not going to overcome everyone. And it is not going to be victorious. Right now we are in the groaning and I believe that God is right with us. That's what Jesus shows us. When, uh, when God became man in the body of Christ, when he was incarnate, he groaned with us. And he shows us that God is with us, not against us, that he is for us, not against us. Jesus shows us that God loves us and desires that we would all know him and be saved, that we would all uh, have the best possible outcomes for our lives. That God is not against us. When Jesus was born to an unwed teenager into a life of a poor refugee, he groaned with us. And when he experienced grief and sorrow and disappointment, he groaned with us. And when he was rejected and scorned and murdered, he groaned for us with the very last breath in his lungs. Jesus is all the proof that I need to know that God is for us and that he is not punishing us. And that what is going on in the world right now uh, grieves God just as it grieves us. So I want to share with you a scripture from John 6 today. That's uh, my, my key scripture. And it's a story that is in, uh, in three of the Gospels. It's not in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and uh, it's uh, John 6, 16 uh, through to, what is it, 21. It says this, When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. And by now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. Uh, before I keep reading there, I'll set the scene. So this is just after Jesus has fed the 5,000 men and all of the women and children that were there. And the, there's the boy with his loaves and fishes. And uh, so this is right after that event. Jesus is kind of tired. And in, uh, in this particular gospel, it says... Um, that, that his disciples went down the lake and they went away. And in one of the other Gospels, it says that Jesus sent away the crowd. And, um, uh, but what we know is that Jesus wasn't with them on the boat at this time. And in, in John, it says a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. This doesn't really uh, do justice in the English. This is like serious wind. Uh, so Lake Galilee is, is really low in the world. And the way that it's all set up, there are... Um, there are, uh, what is it, the, um, the, the winds are coming down into where Lake Galilee is and it gets seriously rough there. Uh, I had a picture actually, maybe I can even pull that up for you quickly. This is a, um, do I have this picture for you? This is from a similar scene in the Gospels, if I can find it. Here it is. Let me bring it up for you. This is a photo, uh, not a photo. This is a picture by Rembrandt of all people. And uh, I need to share it with you because I think that it's a really beautiful picture. All right. Can you guys see that picture? Yes. Yes. Some of you can see it. Some of you are saying no. So there, I'll leave that there for a second. This is a a picture by Rembrandt. 
Uh, it's called Christ in the Storm on the Sea of Galilee. So this is when he was asleep in the boat during a, a storm, which is a different uh, scene. But in this photo, you can see like how small the boat is. And I've seen the boats like they, they found one not that many years ago. Uh, there was a, um, a bit of a drought and the water was really low. And they found in the in the shores of, of Galilee, they found a, a first century fishing boat and they really carefully pulled it out. And you can go and see it now. And it's all kind of... Um, being, you know, held together with gaff tape and, and blue tack, but it's an amazing thing. And it really is, this scene with Rembrandt, that really is the size of the boat. So there's, you know, like his disciples are there. So there's probably, you know, 10 or a dozen of them on this tiny boat and the wind uh, would pick up. So it wasn't a storm in a classic sense. It doesn't say that it's raining and there's lightning, but it's the wind that is howling across the lake is is uh, or the sea. Uh, it's a... Um, the Lake Galilee or Sea Galilee has a bit of an identity crisis. It has like five different names because uh, it's next to Tiberius. So it was called Lake Tiberius, also Lake Galilee. Um, uh, there's another name I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're all the same lake. It's just a, a big lake. But the wind is whipping up really significantly in this particular scene. Um, let me pull that picture back now. So it says a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. And then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Now, you might remember this story because... uh, in one of the other Gospels, it tells this story. It's where Peter tries to get out on the water and he, and he sinks. But in John's Gospel, that's, that's not how this particular story is recorded. But it makes a point of saying that the wind was howling and the water was rising. Uh, when it says the water grew rough there, uh, the, the language is that the, the water was, was rising up significantly. Uh, I think as George Costanza would say, the sea was angry that day, my friends. Yeah. It was the middle of the night. It was dark. The disciples had rowed three or four miles against the headwind. They were no doubt tired. They were feeling lost and alone in their small boat on the sea. And I think the emotion of this scene is something I can identify with. A strong wind is blowing right now in our world. And the waters look like it is only going to get worse. We're being pushed around by the winds and the currents and it's dark and people are feeling afraid and isolated and uncertain. It's a really scary time that we live in. Uh, certainly, it's been, you know, 100 years since we've seen a pandemic like this. And it, it's been kind of what since World War Two, really, that the whole world has been involved in a calamity like this. And people are afraid. Uh, And nothing makes sense and our world is falling apart. And for a lot of people, even their faith is beginning to unravel as they are stuck alone and isolated and afraid and they don't know what's going on. And this is, I think, the, the time where we need to be not just looking at the waves and not just looking at our problems and feeling the weariness in our bones. We need to be looking out for Jesus because even though it's unlikely, I think that Jesus comes through the the waves and he says, it's I Don't be afraid. So that's what I'm looking for today. That's what I'm looking for right now. Even though everything is broken and even though the solution to our problem seems so far away, I am looking for Jesus through the howling wind and darkness. I am looking for Jesus. I am confident that he uh, is there. And he might be just out of sight in in, uh, 
In one of the other Gospels, it says that they saw he thought he was an apparition. They thought he was a ghost. Um, he's right there, though. Maybe just out of sight. Jesus is, is right there. He is coming and he will make things right. That's his promise to us. His promise, uh, you know, like a lot of people saying God's angry, but he's not angry. God's promise to us is not that he will destroy us. It's that he will save us. And in his kingdom, there will be no affliction or viruses or sickness or disease or suffering. And there'll be no more tears and no more death. In his kingdom, everything's going to be made better again. The affliction, the sickness, the disease, the suffering, all of it gets restored to what was meant to be instead of how it is. There's no more tears and there's no more death. And the divisions that exist between people and tribe and tongue and nations and peoples, they all get set aside in his kingdom. And we are one people before a beautiful God. And there is this picture in, um, in the Bible where, where God and, and Jesus, they're on their thrones and the water that flows out of, of the, the throne is this beautiful um, life-giving thing. And the tree of life is right there again. But right now we are in the storm and the groaning and it is bleak and it is scary and it's sad. Uh, and it's all right for us to grieve for our broken world. Just as it's all right, you know, like two months ago, we were all grieving for uh, our world that is, is hurting and we're thinking about climate change and we're thinking about what we're doing in our poor stewardship of the world. And it was right for people to be uh, upset and to be angry and to, and to grieve for that. And just the same, it is right now for us to grieve because I think that God grieves the circumstances that exist on the earth right now. It's all right for us to feel confused, but we also, uh, in the midst of that, in the midst of when we've been rowing against the headwind, in the midst of feeling tired and afraid, uh, we also need to look for Jesus. Look for his kingdom. It's into this dark storm that as believers uh, in Jesus, we have an opportunity to bring hope and light and goodness and compassion. And into this groaning, we can look towards a future with joy and anticipation and longing. And this time of uncertainty, we have a unique opportunity to love our neighbours and to serve those who are in need. This is the season where the mustard seed of faith that we have as followers of Jesus must grow. It's a time where our light must not go under a bushel. So the question I have is, how do we, um, how do we be like Jesus in the midst of the storm? What does it mean for us to say to the people around us, don't be afraid? How do we bring hope to our communities? And I think that we can start with the simple things. The fruit of the Spirit is really simple things, but we can be kind. I think right now, it's especially even um, as we're locked up and we're in our houses, uh, it's so easy to just not be kind. Uh, we can bring peace and we can bring love. And I think we need to become experts in simple acts of generosity and compassion and empathy. We need to be available to listen to the needs of our neighbours. And, uh, and for me, you know, we need to be gentle with our children and gentle with our partners and our housemates. Uh, and we need to be gentle with ourselves. We need to be kind to ourselves because right now uh, everyone is really feeling the weight of the groaning. But we will get through this. So don't be afraid. And together we will get through this. Uh, so don't be afraid. I'd like to read you a prayer uh, written by Nadia Boltz-Weber for her church last week. 
And uh, it just says this, For the layers of comfort and convenience that surrounded our lives and that we never considered a blessing, but always just took for granted, forgive us. For we who must grieve in isolation and not in community, comfort us. For we who care for the sick, protect us. For the ability to turn off the fear-mongering and unhelpful commentary and worst-case scenario clickbait, strengthen us. For the times when we are all out of creative ideas for how to get through this with cooped-up kids, inspire us. For we who are now cutting our own bangs at home, guide us. For the grace to allow ourselves and others to just be less productive, shower us. For the generosity needed from those of us who have more resources, empower us. From our own selfish inclinations, deliver us. For just being your children, none of whom, none of whom have done a global pandemic before, love us. For the days ahead, accompany us. God, unbound by time, help us to know that you are already present in the future we are fearing. Amen. What I want us to do is uh, break out into some breakout groups. And I have a number of questions here. Uh, I'm going to post those questions into the chat there so that we can all see them. Uh, so there's four questions. It says, is there anything that you're particularly struggling with during this season? So I think Jess already kind of covered this when we were doing our introduction. But uh, is there anything that you're particularly struggling with during this season? Is there anything that we as a community can do to help meet your needs? What is something beautiful or providential in your life right now? And how can you specifically express generosity and kindness, kindness in the midst of this season?